When Premier Quat shuffled his cabinet following an attempted coup, two of the ministers he had dismissed refused to leave office. Chief of State Shu backed them, arguing that Quat had no authority to fire anyone without Shu's approval. When neither would back down, both decided to quit. Trying to patch things up, we pleaded and cajoled and discussed for hours, seeking ways to narrow the gulf between these two stubborn politicians, each beholden to relatively small but very different constituencies. The problem went beyond the current impasse. Quat and Shu could not agree on anything. If President Shu wanted to do something, the Prime Minister, who held more power, vetoed it. If Prime Minister Quat tried to institute some activity that Shu objected to, which seemed to be every initiative that Quat held dear, the President used his influence to undermine, obstruct, or delay. Personally, I was disgusted by both of these dinosaurs. They had learned their trade under French colonial rule, and their values and methods were inappropriate to a republic. South Vietnam was backed by the United States, a world power that sought to contain the spread of international communism. America had made a commitment to help defend our small, struggling nation, but along with their millions of dollars and the legions of young men who were prepared to die for our freedom, came a thicket of restrictions and advice. I suppose that everything was too new for Quat and Shu, that they were too set in their ways to accommodate the change required by our situation. Nevertheless, like most of the other generals, I would have preferred them to continue in office. The military needed to focus on fighting. There is no use talking any more, said Quat. The military must now assume responsibility for the government. It was past two in the morning and everyone was exhausted. Quat picked up the phone, and in minutes a man with a tape recorder appeared. While we generals watched, Quat and Chu read resignation statements. The man with the tape recorder left for the government radio station where the tape would be broadcast a few hours later. We scheduled an emergency session at the Armed Forces Council for 8 a.m., and I went home to sleep. Our meeting convened in an enormous, air-conditioned conference room at the Saigon headquarters, of General Lei Nguyen Kang, Commandant of the Marines. Behind a table at the head of a room that seated 500 was General Nguyen Van Thieu, who as Minister of Defense was ranking officer. He was flanked by the Armed Forces Council's other leaders, four senior generals. In a room almost half-filled with generals and colonels, I sat in the cheap seats. Around me were the other so-called Young Turks, men in their thirties who commanded elite military units. Nguyen Chan Ti, the airborne brigade commander, Kang, commandant of the Marines, Navy boss Commodore Chung Tan Kang, and Army generals Nguyen Duk Tang and Nguyen Bao Tri. As a group, we had tried to reform the military and had publicly opposed the excesses and corruption of many senior generals. Tu explained the situation with Shu and Quat and announced what we all knew. Because the civilian leadership had failed, it was now up to us, the military, to form a new government. No one had to say why. The failure of these two veteran politicians, who despite their limitations were the most able and popular of a contentious multitude of inept power seekers, was proof enough that the military represented Vietnam's only organized power. And we were at war. Someone must take the helm of our rudderless ship before it was overwhelmed by the elements and capsized. 
we could not afford a long lapse in leadership. Tew proposed that the assembled military leaders nominate one or more of the group to become the new prime minister, then put these nominees to a vote. Who will volunteer to serve as prime minister? asked Tew. The room fell silent. If there is no volunteer, we will proceed to the next phase, he continued. We will nominate someone, and then the whole membership will vote to approve him or not. At this time, are there any volunteers? No one raised a hand. No one said that he wanted to become prime minister. And why would anyone? Six governments in eighteen months, and the Americans, never long on patience, were already irritated. Six governments in eighteen months, and none of the army officers who had served as prime minister or president still had a command. If you were one of the country's four corps commanders, you were the next thing to a warlord, with virtually total freedom within your...